thing you should know about me. I specialize in a very specific type of security. Subconscious security. You're talking about dreams? Hello and welcome to the My Favorite Film Podcast with me, your host, Gav Smith. It's great to be back after our Halloween episode. Um, we've got a few episodes coming up in the next few weeks, just me. Gary is away in the United States of America doing some very exciting stuff for a TV programme. Ooh, how exciting. Find more about that hopefully when Gary gets back in the new year. Until then, a few episodes coming up with just me interviewing one guest at a time. Today's guest is Sefi Carmel, who is a music sound designer and composer, I think is kind of what he does. Um, he's worked on quite a few different feature films, which we do talk about during our chat. His favourite film is Chris Nolan's classic, Inception. What a brilliant film about dreams within dreams and security and all sorts of clever things. Um, we talk at great length about that and about the sound design within it because that's Sefi's speciality. I hope you enjoy my chat with Sefi. More for me, maybe in the middle and maybe at the end. Bye for now. We create the world of the dream. We bring the subject into that dream. And they fill it with their secrets. Then you break in and steal it. Well, it's not strictly speaking legal. Hello, Sefi. How are you doing? Extremely good and improving all the time. Oh, How are fantastic. you? I'm doing good, yeah. For the viewers out there, or viewers, listeners, because obviously it's podcast, there's no viewing. Um, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your, your connection with film, I suppose? For the past 35 years, I've been working as a composer and sound designer, creating soundtracks for, for feature films, um, advertising and games. I've been I've been fortunate to, to kind of, you know, start my journey uh, at a radio station, cutting tape, cutting quarter inch tape yeah. uh, and uh, kind of in a very analog kind of way. But um, grow through the digital kind of onslaught and uh and and uh tell stories through sound yeah in the film space uh for the past 35 years uh and uh, uh currently uh working on uh on on scoring and sound design of a large feature animation fantasy that i'm dying to tell you more about but um I can't tell you too much uh, oh. yet because of NDAs. I can say it's a very, uh, very musically diverse film. Okay. Uh, very culturally musically diverse. Uh, it's a very female empowering story. Right. Uh, yeah, it's it's going to be good. Cool, cool. Can you drop us any names from people you've worked with in the past? Then, so films we in might have past, heard of. Definitely. Or... I mean, uh, I've worked on. I've 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 been lucky enough to work across the entire spectrum of budgets from uh really tiny horror films that were done on a shoestring budget yeah. uh that did quite well and did cult achieved cult status wow uh like uh the human centipede oh right I don't I don't know if you're aware of that movie uh, but yes uh, I am <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I mixed, can't say uh, I enjoyed it, but I'm aware of it. <laughs> uh, well, exactly. I, I I didn't know what I was in for. You know, I sat down to mix it, and I was like, "Oh my god, what is this?" Uh, but yeah, it did well. Yeah, uh, from that that sort of side of the spectrum through to uh, recording the ADR on Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, wow. and doing sound design for 
uh, Tristan and Isolde sound design and Foley recording. Uh, um, Tristan and Isolde that Ridley Scott produced and Kevin Reynolds uh, uh, directed. Right. Um, and uh, scoring um, Hitman in London that uh, with Mickey Rourke, Michael Madsen, Daryl Hannah, yeah. um, So you know, uh, no Oscars yet. They could be on uh, the way. Well, 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 you know. Yeah, working, working on it, and and uh, I keep being reminded of of this Confucius quote, which is, um, "Choose a job you love, and you'll never have to work a day." Yeah, and, uh, to it's a good to one. a large extent, I, I, you know, I, I feel very lucky because I, I love what I do, and uh, uh, many a time I've said, "Don't tell the clients," <laughs> but I would do this without getting paid. Wow. <laughs> That's good then. If you, if you could be that happy in your job, it's got to be a good thing. Yeah, people will have heard of your heard your music, I suppose, in in things that have been out there. So on the, this show, we obviously talk about favorite films. That's the whole name of the game. You have chosen Inception. Why then is is Inception your favorite film? Uh, Inception is my favorite film on so many levels and layers, like the movie itself, like the story. Yeah. You know, it's multi, super multi layered. I love I love the story first and foremost. I love yeah. the complexity of it. I love the dream within a dream. Yeah. Within a dream. Yeah. Um kind of multi-layeredness of it. Yeah. Um I love the the I love Chris Nolan's work as a director. I think he's a he's a fantastic storyteller. I would agree, I yes. I think I think his collaboration with Hans Zimmer is one of those, you know, legendary composer, um, sound designer, uh, composer, director collaborations across yeah. films like Bernard Hammond and Hitchcock. Um, it's just, you know, or Spielberg and John Williams. Um, yeah. And it's just, you know, they 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 have they have a shorthand. They they create something beautiful together. I think it's my favorite Hans Zimmer score. Uh, right. It's it's. Um, it's very, very beautiful. I mean, uh, and very powerful, but very, very dreamlike. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, so I love, I love the score of it. I love the cinematography of it. I love the 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 story of it. The performances, Tom, yeah, DiCaprio, Tom Hardy, uh, just fantastic perform, fantastic on every level. So, yeah. Um, okay. Um. So for anyone who hasn't seen Inception. And this can be difficult for you, actually, because I'm trying to think how you would do it now. Do you think it could give a a plot synopsis of Inception, or is that too difficult to do? Uh, with spoilers allowed, of course. Yeah, yeah. I'll put a note out at the start of the podcast. So okay, will be yes. Okay, so Inception is the story of James Cobb. James Cobb uh, is a man who is on the run he's he's fleeing prosecution in his native america he can't go back home he has two beautiful kids he is a widower uh his wife um committed suicide and left incriminating evidence leaving him as the main suspect yeah uh, and he is <clears throat> running away trying to live his life where he he uh, is, um, well, he he deals in uh, a security company 
that helps people, uh, uh, very rich, very high net worth individuals protect their dreams from being infiltrated into. Uh, so he's in the business of getting into people's dreams and getting into their subconscious. And the film is a multi-layer dive, layer after layer, dream within a dream within a dream, multi-layered where time slows down by a factor of so many, uh, I think about time times 20 or whatever it was. Something like that, yes. Yeah, in each in each layer and you, you go down and time becomes uh, uh, multiplied to the power of that number of layers that you're going deep in and i think i counted six or seven layers that the movie goes into uh into a, a journey into the subconscious of uh, uh, uh an heir to 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 this fortune of billions yeah uh, um, it's it's espionage action car chases yeah uh, um, and uh brilliant performances by yeah. DiCaprio and um tom hardy yes it's a Chris Nolan film. That you, you can't talk about Inception without talking about Chris Nolan and I guess his other films and the other films that he's made. I mean, he made this... It would be directly between the two Dark Knight films, so between Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. So he's just come off working, I suppose, with Heath Ledger in one of his ultimate performances and then working with Tom Hardy again as, as Bane in Dark Knight Rises. Um what do you think about Nolan as a director and the sort of the career path he's he's been on and the different films he's done? Well, I mean, I think um, no, Nolan has uh, always been interesting and surprising. I think you know, I think Memento was a precursor to Inception in its non-linearity. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and the kind of experimentation with. Uh, structure and time, yeah, uh, which he explores in Tenet as well. Yes, yeah, he, so, he does seem to come back to this same um, messing around with time, doesn't he? And dimensions, and he does uh, dimensions interstellar. Yeah, you know, so so there is there is a very um, cerebral sort of narrative. It's like you know, it's almost like almost like geeky, the geeky side of like uh, you have to be really. You know, it, it's 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 entertaining concepts of of multiple dimensions, time travel, yeah, uh, moving backwards and forwards in time, uh, multi-layered, uh, dreaming with exponentially growing time bases in each layer as you go down. Yeah, in the end, you have the old man there that's been waiting for decades, <laughs> alone, waiting to die. Yeah um so so it is it is um i mean i remember watching inception for the first time and saying wow wait i don't get you know a new kind of <laughs> okay i watch it again yes and yeah it takes a few times it takes a few times to get it oh yeah i don't think i know anyone who's only watched it once it's it's a definite it's how you have to re-watch to work out what was going on the first time and then you have to watch it a third time just to work out what you missed again in the second viewing it's it yeah. is one of those rewatchable films or one that you have to rewatch to to understand yeah i mean you mentioned before about uh, hans zimmer who obviously scored this now as a musician because i'm i'm looking at you now and i can see music keyboards and everything in front of you um what do you think of zimmer i mean zimmer's done some amazing soundtracks as well uh what do you think of his work here you said that it was a, a soundscape that you really enjoyed what is it about his music that 
do you think adds to the film or well i think um i mean i think he really is a truly great composer but oh but it's, it's a bit wider than that he's like a sound artist you know he understands yes. sound he understands sound design and he said about himself that he wasn't if he wasn't a comp- composer he would be a sound designer and or a recording engineer right and someone that straddles both those worlds and you know makes a living as a composer and as a sound designer yeah. and i feel very connected to the idea of creating musical but being highly technical and this room is very much inspired by hans zimmer's room oh right know? okay um you know not necessarily it's evolved a lot since but the idea was this room with with like you know loads of cool kit that is custom built around you like a spaceship yeah uh, um yeah i'm i'm you know i find hans zimmer inspiring i find yep. uh, um uh, i i think he's definitely been a trailblazer in in kind of using electronics together with orchestral scoring to tell yeah. a story um and uh, been, been using it you know very, very skillfully and very well it, it's it's his music has become it's so ubiquitous and so 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 well used that it's that it's almost become a cliche of itself in a in a way you <laughs> yeah, know? i guess so yeah yeah everyone uh, uses the same thing don't they yeah 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 every everybody's trying to imitate those big drums everybody's kind of doing those uh four chord progressions of uh you know uh the, the what what are now what is now referred to as the the Zimmer the Zimmer chord progression, but, but it's you know <laughs> something that that is uh, you you can you know, if you play that you re- you you kind of re- you can recognize many uh, Hans Zimmer themes that ride on those those chord progressions. Yeah, uh, as do many pop songs as well. But yeah, have you have you got a, a favorite sort of piece of music on the? The score, or I think uh, uh, "Dream is Collapsing." Right, is the... that's the one? Is it? Is that the the ultimate song on on the, or the ultimate tune on there? Well, the ultimate tune on there is "Time," and that's the kind of I think more well known one. Yeah, uh, but um, but "Dream is Collapsing" is interesting and kind of yeah. uh, complex. And is that, is that the type of thing that you want to be able to, or the type of thing you try and? emulate when you're you're sort of doing your hands Zimmer type thing you say you're inspired by him is it yeah no I, I'm 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 definitely inspired by him but but uh uh trying to do you know when I'm composing trying yeah. to do my own thing yeah of uh, course yeah um but yeah I mean I think um Hans Zimmer once says in an interview somebody was talking about less is more and he said but sometimes more is more you know and <laughs> kind of that very Zimmer-esque saying, so... Uh, Good line. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, obviously, it's it's got a massive cast. I've just, just pulled up on IMDb to have a look at the cast again. But it, this is a film with a, a cast that I think most directors would, would give their right arm for. Um, and obviously, there's a lot of people that uh, Christopher Nolan worked with many times. He... I mean, Michael Caine, you know, I yeah. love Michael Caine. Yeah, I was going to say, the fact that even Michael Caine's on there is just like, that's that's amazing. But obviously, at the time, he's worked with Michael Caine on the three Batman films that he did. Um, yeah. He played he played Alfred with him there. Um, he does revisit the same actors. Uh, Cillian Murphy's on there. He was obviously in Batman Begins, just before he'd done this as well. So, you know, he's got these 
people he uses again and again. I think he's used Tom Hardy several times in his films. Yeah. Joseph yeah. Gordon-Levitt gets into many of his films. So what do you think about his, I don't know, his idea of always going back to this well of actors that he uses a lot? Is that, do you think that adds to his directing abilities or? I think it's a palette. I like that. I like yeah. that a lot. I mean, if you look at David Lynch, for instance, yeah. uses Nick Cage and uses Laura Dern and uses, you know, yeah. uses uh, uh, Isabella Rossellini. Does he use him more than once? I'm not sure. But but William Defoe yeah. and, uh, you know, yeah. he uses, he uses the, the, his friends, he uses yeah. the people he likes to work with. And, yeah. Uh, there's a shorthand. I, I, yeah. I respect that. And I, and I, I think for me, it's a viewer. As a viewer, uh, I like that because it's part of the brand. It's like I'm yeah. buying something, you know. Uh, yeah, you know what you can get. <laughs> oh, here's Kyle McLaughlin again, you know. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, let's, let's kind of look a little bit at the, the cast. I don't think it's worthwhile going through every single one because there's so many of them. But if you do pick, say, I don't know, your, your top five performances in this, who do you think would be your top five actors in that that cast? Or Leo DiCaprio's performance here is it's one of his best, I think. Uh, do you know? What? I, I possibly agree with that. Yeah, he's he certainly he proved himself. I think more as an uh, an actor in this than he had previously. I think he was always the pretty boy in the other films, but he's not quite yeah. as much a pretty boy in this one, is he? Absolutely. So Leo the Leo DiCaprio number one, Tom Hardy's. Performance there is great. Yeah, uh, I think I think uh, Elliot Page is 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 fantastic in it. Yeah, as, as um, uh, Ariadne. Yeah, um, Michael Caine is fantastic in uh, it. Michael Caine's always fantastic. You know? <laughs> exactly, and uh, and uh, Marion Coulthard also. Yes, she's she's very she's she's very tragic. You you empathise with that character. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and if you had to pick one as being the absolute best actor in that, who'd be your top actor? It would have to be. It would have to be. It would have to be uh, Cobb. It would yeah. have to be Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, I mean, I suppose he's, he's the linchpin of the film, isn't he? Is the one that yeah. gets the most yeah. screen time in. Yeah. Very often, it is that one that's the one that you have to go back to. Um, if you were going to recast it, do you think you could recast it? Who, who could you? Get to play in, in Cobb instead of DiCaprio. Tom Holland. Yeah, that's an interesting choice. Yeah, you know that vulnerability, yeah. that superhero ness. Yeah, it might change the film quite a lot. I think having someone like Tom Holland there, I think yeah. he's, he's certainly a lot more. He'd play a lot more vulnerable, as you say, than than DiCaprio does, isn't it? Yeah. What about other roles? If we sort of went with um, Tom Hardy's role. Tom Hardy's role. I would cast the younger Michael Caine. Ah, that'd be an interesting one. Yeah, that's cheating, I think, but we'll allow it. <laughs> okay, so who's going to play Michael Caine's role then? <laughs> uh, Michael Caine's role can be played by Sayan McCallan. Ooh, now that would be good. Yeah, yeah, I like it. You're picking some good ones here. <laughs> so we've got a young Michael Caine taking over from. Um, Tom Hardy because we managed to go back yeah. in time somehow. Tom yes. Holland's going to be there as Leonardo DiCaprio, and um, Ian McKellen as Michael Caine's character. That'd be that work. I think that'd be really good. That. <laughs> Are there any of the other characters you think you could swap out for a different actor? Or is there any of you just go? No, they're, they're perfect as they are. I think uh, you could swap out Marion Coulthard with Victoria Beckham. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, okay. We'll go with <laughs> hey, we're about halfway through the podcast, so I just thought I'd pop in very quickly to say, remember, if you want to get in touch with me here at the podcast, because you want to, don't know, tell me how great we are or how rubbish we are, you can decide on that one. Get on your email and email me. The email address is myfavoritefilmpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch with me on Twitter at myfavoritefilm. Instagram at my favorite film podcast or find us on Facebook. We've got two sites on Facebook. There's a community site and there is a page. Just search up my favorite film podcast. Also now on Letterboxd, Letterboxd has lists of all the films that I have covered in past series. It's always worthwhile looking on there to see what we've looked at in the past. And if all of that's no good, you can always go along to the website. That's my favorite film podcast.com. And all of the links are on there. Remember, get yourself onto the podcast platform of your choice and leave us a five-star rating and review. I believe you can do that on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Those five-star ratings and reviews are what helps the podcast get found by other listeners. Or maybe just shout about us on social media, whatever you want to do. Let people know how wonderful you think we are. Love to hear from you. Love to hear some feedback. Now, back to Sefi and his chat with me about Inception. We talk about the cast there, I and mean, this is—it's it's a really, really interesting film. It's got multiple layers in it. it was—I mean—it was doing multiverse stuff before multiverse stuff became the mainstream. You know, you think about films at the moment, like Everything Everywhere All at Once and Doctor Strange and whatever else. We've got all these different multiverse films happening, but this was kind of a multiverse film already because it's a dream within a dream within a dream and that mm-hmm. dimensional landscape. Very good, very good point. Yeah. Do you think those sort of multiverse films that are coming out now, are, are they are they taking something from Inception This kind of push their way through or are, are, are they completely different beasts altogether? What do you think? Well, definitely I think they've taken something from Inception because, uh, you know, you see visual references to it in terms of the way that the geometry of the world is folding. You've seen that a few times in multiverse type movies. I believe in the in Doctor Strange of the Multiverse of Madness there were some really, you know, kind of proper quotes like you would be quoting, you know, Dali or Picasso and saying, oh, this is an homage to that. You know, it was definitely a homage. So I think, you know, in the same way that uh, bullet time in Matrix became yeah. a thing, a cinematic thing, a, a kind of stylistic landmark where, you know, something had been written in the book of filmmaking style that would never be the same again because it would be quoting that. Yeah. I think Inception definitely has those chops, those yeah. that kind of, you know, kudos and cred of being a landmark in terms of, of, of of portraying this this uh, multi-dimensional, multi-layered reality, yeah, uh, and morphing between them, and you know, the CGI was yeah, yeah, absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, there's some amazing scenes in it, which I think is what we probably need to get to next. Is is those scenes? I mean, even if you just watch the trailer for this, you see some of the way that they've used the CGI and the different scenes and. You know, explosions going on around people who aren't being faced by it at all because the, the explosions, something they're expecting because they're within the dream. I, I kind of try to go through favorite scenes and try and do them sort of some 
curry sort of order, but I mean, it doesn't does matter with Inception because it's so non-linear anyway as a film. Um, what would be some of your favourite scenes from Inception? So what are the sort of, I don't know, if you had to switch it, if you put it on an old school video recorder, where would you speed up to to be the first scene you'd have to watch in order to understand the film? Oh, that's um, or in order, in order to understand it, yeah. Uh, or ones that you can't miss, otherwise, if you miss them, that's it, it would just be no way you're never going to get it. Well, I think uh, you're never going to get it first time anyway, <laughs> true. <laughs> so, you know, I think the best, uh, if we're talking about an old fashioned VCR, I would say it's in a loop. You know, watch it because <laughs> in order to comprehend it, you really need to watch it. You know, I wouldn't watch it on a loop. I wouldn't watch it like and then watch it again immediately. I think watch it, let it sink. Yeah. Let 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 the questions that it you know will kind of conjure up, let those form and come to the surface yeah. and verbalize themselves and manifest in the universe. And then, yeah. you know, once that's all settled go back to it and watch the film again and okay then let's let's try a different way. what let's let's try and pick out three scenes let's say that are the ultimate scenes that, that your favorite scenes the things that now you've seen it several times and you understand as much as you can of this film that you'd go back and go yeah I could watch that scene on its own because it's so great um there's so many yeah, That's I know. So I know. That's why I mean we can go for more than three, but we'll, well try and go for three. It's, it's the places where you know. I think I think the first scene where the geometry of the world kind of becomes folded and like a kaleidoscope, and uh, you know, uh, Newton's laws are very loosely quoted in a multi-dimensional uh, <laughs> kind of framework uh and it just boggles the mind uh that's that's got to be one yeah uh, kind of big moment yeah uh but that bending of geometry happens again uh there's a chase on the ceiling of the of an elevator in the hotel room yes. and uh that whole kind of hotel chase scene that is Again, multi-dimensional and gravity-defying, quite literally. Yeah. Um, and I guess the third has got to be, you know, the recurring kind of drop in between levels. So there's a drop in the car with yeah. Uh, yeah. that Edith Piaf track in the background, kind of as a as a auditory trigger. Yeah. Um, to the various layers of consciousness. Uh, yeah, because yeah. that's that's the whole. I guess to try and get into it a little bit, that the whole thing of they go into each other's dreams. So there is one dreamer, and they all manage to get into that dreamer's dream. But in doing so, they have to have themselves a trigger that will wake them up. So uh, they kick off a chair into a pot of water, or they're in a car, or whatever it happens to be. The idea being that when they hit the ground or hit the water, that would wake them from their dream. And within each level of dream, someone else has to become the dreamer's thing and that person's dream within there. So you mm -hmm. have got this this 
crazy multi-layering. And as you said, there's there's a it's something like 20 times slower every time they hit somebody else's dream. So they're they're falling in slow motion towards the water so they can have this next bit and then they can go into another dream to have that same thing happening. Um is there a sort of a favorite person that you've got where they're going into the dream that they've got their way of being out of the dream so that they're sort of fall through time the the chemist the apothecary yeah um what's his name yusuf isn't it i think so yes his way of looking at dreams is 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 very interesting so i can't remember which part of the movie it is where, where it's him dreaming yeah i can't uh, either quite remember exactly where it is that he goes in but is there a sort of a point within the the dreamscape where you think are there musical cues within each of the dreams that tell you which dream that you're in or is the music not quite doing that no uh, i don't think it is i think the music is very subjective to where you are now yeah it doesn't give you a reference to to other layers it doesn't yeah. tell you you're in layer three you know as opposed to whatever but one of the things that's really interesting about the music in the dream sequence it's something that's in the same way that the the bullet time in the matrix yeah. and the folding geometry have changed something visually here there's yeah. something that a sonic reference right uh that when inception has been you know a, created a change that is forever quoted and it's that sound of the of the kind of low brass uh, in in the sa- in the soundtrack of that ah uh, yeah 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 that um, has become so quoted and so you know yeah it's, it's that and it's actually got its own own name it's like the Brahm um, right and uh, to achieve that sound Hans Zimmer recorded uh, the biggest ever session of uh, brass players that was ever recorded at uh air studios right with something like 12 bass trombones and you know <laughs> a ridiculous amount of uh brass and i can't remember the name of the gentleman but he was conducting the recordings he's uh, an acquaintance of mine uh and he said that recording that brass section and conducting that that his ears were ringing for three days afterwards. Wow! Sheer volume and sheer amount of air that they were that they were pushing in that church to yeah. get that. Yeah. Wow. So that that's an iconic bit of you know. So did they, they actually recorded it within a, a church to get the well, the yeah, in, and the in sound studios get. is studios is an is a disused church, oh, so right. they. Erlinghurst studios are, are built within a church, so that it has that gothic acoustic. Yeah, that special acoustic you only get in churches. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that explains why it sounds like that, actually. Wow. I, next time I watch it, I'll have to listen out for that properly. I might have a listen to the soundtrack, actually, and, and hear it. I remember what you see, you're saying about that noise, that, that noise you do hear now in a lot of action films have copied it and are using it yeah, again. Yeah. 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 But I guess once something works, you use it, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it becomes, uh, you know, it's hard to do that now, I think, without it being almost a pastiche. Yes. 
yeah that's uh one of those things we've seen bullet time so many times as you say it's a it's appear in every action film so i guess yeah. once people start using the same thing over and over again it gets there doesn't it um yeah. it's a bit of an odd question this one but it's it's because of your composerness and musical abilities if you were going to score this film would you do the same type of thing as have uh the music just fit the action scenes or do you think you would try and have I don't know, meld the music to the different levels of the dream that you're in. I think As Inception is one of my favorite scores of all time. <laughs> it's like, why change anything about it? Fair enough, but, yeah. But um, if you said do an alternate score to Inception, yeah. but don't do what Hans Zimmer did, do something else. Yeah. Then I, I guess I would do something completely electronic. And completely abstract. Maybe very music concrete. Maybe you know, kind of really ambient and abstract, and kind of go, go more, maybe more surreal, more you know, kind of okay. Let's let's not do the orchestral thing that Zimmer did, but you know, maybe look for a different approach. Right. So just do something completely different to. Completely different. Completely different by it not being orchestral, by it being you know. Completely electronic and completely like ambient and very very immersive. Right. To kind of come at the whole dreamlike like thing from a very kind of you know sensory kind of way, um, with a goal of achieving the same emotional impact, but in yeah. a different way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. So you'd you'd still have a consistent score, I suppose, through the whole film, just a very different consistent score. Yes, but I think that you can you can experiment with um, you know telling people what level of the dream you're in maybe with the score. Right. Yeah. 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 It's like you know Peter Greenway, for instance, in um, the thief, his wife, the cook, and her lover, or yes. something like that. Yes, I think that's exactly right. Actually, not something like that. <laughs> so there's a different color to each each part of the yes of the restaurant they're in so i, th- I think but you could do something similar to that with the score have different you know different colors different different tonal kind of yeah good sonorities yeah is that something that you think about at all when you when you're watching films how you would have scored it or is it not something that really crossed your mind are you too immersed in the films not really something that uh, you know I, I am too immersed in the films if i if i uh really love a score yeah and you know i try to understand what about that score i love why i think it works uh what about it i you know excites me yeah um so i'll notice i'll analyze things more from that perspective from you know oh i'm really enjoying this why am i really enjoying this? what's working about this yeah for me yeah um but you know what it's always been about creating a certain emotion with the viewer, telling story in a way that evokes certain feelings. Uh, that's that's always been something that, that's interesting to me to create a, an arc or a dynamic that where people respond in a certain way at a certain time. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think with this particular film, is is it the score that is one of the reasons why it becomes your favorite film? That it's Absolutely. got that most score, yeah. 
So it's not just Nolan's writing or Nolan's direction or the actors. It is it's that musical, that musical you in. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, obviously, we talked very briefly at the start about Star Wars, and I know that you obviously are a fan of the Star Wars franchise. How do you think the John Williams score on, say, Star Wars compares to something like Zimmer's score on this? But very different. Yeah, uh, I think. Um... Zimmer is, is um, John Williams is much more akin to the kind of golden age of Hollywood storytelling, the, yes. the you know, Horn Golds and um, it's kind of classic traditional um, film scoring. Yes, that's very, very inspired by the Russian masters, by the German masters. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, Zimmer is more experimental. Zimmer is more experimental. You know, has more of a pop background. Uh, John Williams is first and foremost he's a jazz guy. Yeah, the jazz guy that went and learned how to tell the Hollywood story in a way that's, you know, and becoming the master of all masters. With, yeah, with, you know, you talk about orchestral scoring, you talk about John Williams. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, and nobody really kind of stops to remember he's really first love was jazz, but yeah. he achieved greatness as a film composer. Yeah. Um, Zimmer is very much, uh, uh, Zimmer has a great, you know, kind of relationship with technology. Yes. Uh, and Zimmer is much more exploratory. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, uh, he, you know, he moves between, you know, he was exploring synths and, 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 uh, exploring various ethnic players. Yeah. Uh, and, for Dune, he worked with this this uh, sculptor called Chaz Smith, um, that sculpts very beautiful um, sculptures that are also musical instruments made of, you know, various metals. And, All right. Okay. Yeah. And it's uh, very otherworldly, so it was very yeah. apt. Dune. Yeah. Yeah. Dune uh, scores are amazing. Yeah. 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 And and that's you know that's one of the Zimmer's geniuses that he's kind of will go and experiment and explore and invent a new language sometimes quite literally yeah uh, in Dune and also in um, the late Batman he scored those oh, also rises, yeah. a language a language that he invented yeah there so he's he's you know super super inventive invents himself, reinvents himself, experiments with new sounds. Um, so they're very different in that respect. Yeah. 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 I mean, they are incredibly different scores. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine what Inception would be like with a John Williams score, to be honest, but it might be interesting to hear. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Or Star Wars with a Hans Zimmer seat. Um, so they have that. See, that could work. Yeah. It probably would, actually, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, probably work better that way around than the other. Yes, yes. Um, I guess because of the way this film is, there's there's one pivotal part that I think has to always be talked about, which is the little ah, oh, I can't think of the word for it. The little turny thing. He's top. spinning top, spinning top. That's the word I'm trying yeah. to get. Yeah. yeah. Um. I mean, obviously, there's been lots said about the very end of the film, and obviously I will say at the start that there's spoilers going to be in this, but if you haven't seen the film at this point, you really need to watch the film for here in this bit. Um, 
the film ends with the spinning top spinning. Now, the spinning top is Cobb's kick. So he knows he's in a dream whenever the spinning top will not stop spinning. Um, so at the very end, he spins his spinning top to check to see if he's in the dream still or not. And the film fades to black whilst it's still spinning. What's your opinion? Is he still in the dream or has he got out of all of the dreams and he's back in reality? Well, I think that um, that's exactly the question we're meant to ask. <laughs> well, yes. I'm wondering what your opinion is, though. <laughs> um, no, but I, I think that it that it's that question of what is reality? How do you define reality? How, you know, uh, yeah. and, and going back to, to, to um, earlier in the film when there, when there is that shared dreaming experience uh was it in nigeria i think yeah and uh, uh he says uh something like they come here to to so they come here to dream no they come here to wake up for them the you know yeah the, the other the other bits of the dream uh, yes. and this is uh and this is reality yeah. what are we to say otherwise yeah fair enough yeah i mean it is definitely the question that is purposely left and it's left hanging. I think Chris Nolan's actually said that he doesn't have a definitive answer for it. He felt that it needed to be left on just that that question. Um, yeah. But that that question is um, there is something that is surprisingly does not cause me an aesthetic disturbance. The fact that this uh, question is unanswered. Yeah, I'm not like you know. I can accept both, uh, both both realities, uh, b- both answers being valid. Yeah, know, yeah. Without as much as a meow from Schrodinger's cat. <laughs> <laughs> so I can I could really accept both both. You know, it can be that we're in a dream. It can be that uh, that we're in reality, and that it's going to spin and fall over in a second. Yeah. So, how would you feel about a sequel to Inception? Do you think it's why? you could do a sequel to? Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> it's just an intriguing possibility that if, if you could do a sequel to it, where do you take it from that point? Do you go actually he is in the dream and try and get him to escape it? Or he wasn't in the dream and he's now going to go back to that dream to try and relive that? That he's lost by not being in it. No, I don't. I'm not not feeling a sequel. Just not sequel it. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm just saying the amount of films that now they are going back to and going, you know, ten years later, let's make a sequel. I think Matrix. You know, we've got a Matrix Four that's appeared, however long after Matrix Three was well out of the way. Um, Avatar Two is coming out. You know, imminently. Top Gun Maverick. Coming yeah. Out. Yes. No, I hear what you're saying. Okay, so Cobb. Well, starts with him needing to figure out where he is. Yeah, and so at that point, and this is going to make you answer the question I tried to ask before: Is he in the dream? Then yes, he is, but he doesn't know it. Ah, very late in the film. Right. Okay, I like it. So it actually leaves that question still hanging all the way through the film, and maybe actually leaves it hanging again for the end of this one. So you're still left with the same thing of you don't really know if he's in or out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we can go with that. <laughs> um, right. The the question I kind of ask at the end of 
every episode uh, is if you can sell the film in 30 seconds. So I'll give you a chance to think about that. So just, you know, someone says to you, this is, or someone says, I want to watch a film. And you're going to, oh, my favorite film is Inception. Can you tell me in 30 seconds why this is your favorite film and why I should watch it? My favorite film is Inception. Um, I think it's a masterpiece on many levels. It's a masterpiece of the way it's written and directed. Chris Nolan is my favorite director as well. Um, from the level of screenplay direction, the cinematography, uh, and the the visual vision of this film it's it's you know um it's a mind-bending landmark piece of film making visually it's a landmark score uh and sound work of sound art uh the acting in it is fantastic and it's really truly a very complex mind game that Nolan is playing with the audience on many, many levels. Um, and yeah, it's very well worth a watch. Okay, cool. Thank you very much. Um, is there anything else you want to say about the film before we kind of wrap it up on the film and maybe go on to other things? No, I think, you know. You covered it um, all right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, there's, I'm just trying to think, is there anything at this point you want to sort of, I don't know, pop in as a, a sales pitch, anything that you're coming up thing? I know you said at the start, you've got lots of NDAs on the thing you're working on at the moment, but is there anything coming out that we, you can tell us about that you want people to know about that you're doing? Yes, there is. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm working on a, um, uh, a startup. I'm yeah. launching a startup uh, called Sphere Tracks. Um, right. It's a way of um, delivering music for use in films uh, that is kind of um, not been done before. Right. So that's that's a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, I'm I'm pausing because I'm thinking maybe it's not you know. The, the exact right thing for this podcast. Okay. Uh, too much detail about that. Okay. Uh, thinking of your audience. Um, with with my film hat on, back on, I can say that we, we've started sound design on a shark movie called uh, Deep Fear. All right. Uh, having a lot of fun with um, cool. here at Soundtrack Creation. So we are um, uh, having a lot of fun and experimenting with... Um, um, what does it sound like when stuff happens underwater? So we've been we've bought some uh, hydrophones, some you know microphones that are placed in these rubber tubes, and we can put them underwater and wow. record uh, and get that underwater muffled sound, but still get you know the clarity of because it's quite an experience listening underwater. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, and, uh, have you do you scuba dive? I have in the past. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I that I'm that I'm sure you'll identify with that I that I was thinking of first time I scuba dived, dived was how loud the sound of your breath your own breathing yeah. is like Darth Vader. It's like yeah, <sighs> yeah. It's pretty much all you can hear, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 
uh, it is pretty much all you can hear. And, and it's like, so one of the things, remembering that sensation, doing a sound design for a di movie with diving, I bought um, diving gear. I bought the, the kind of uh, breathing regulators. So, yeah, yeah. So Kind of have the those kind of uh, authentic sounds of that for the for the for the work on the sound effects for that Great. for that so having fun with that yeah okay what was that film called again sorry it was it's called Deep Fear any idea when that's coming out or um, well it's gonna be we're gonna finish we're due to finish the mix on that for um, the. Mix is due to be done January 6th, so it'll yeah. probably come out, you know, sometime in the spring. Yeah, mid-2023, yeah. Um, just before you go then, Sefi, um, where can people find you on social media if they want to hunt out your work? Yeah, so uh, I guess the best place is uh, uh, www.soundtrack-creation.com, um, but also sphere-tracks.com uh, and my music's on Apple, on Spotify, Sefi Kamel. Excellent. So we now know where we can find your music. Yeah. Well, thank you very much again for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Um, and yeah, bye for now. Thank you so much. Bye. Take care. You too. Thanks so much for coming on again, Sefi. It was wonderful to talk to you about Inception. What a great film. Next week, we have Suba Agawal, who is going to be talking about her favorite film, which is Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Suba is a comedian. We had a wonderful chat via Zoom. Here's her trailer for that show. You should watch Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Uh, it has sci-fi. It has action. Um, but it keeps you grounded in this really moving uh, family story that'll make you cry. Um, unless you're completely heartless, you'll be crying. And it's so silly. The humor is so silly and unique and out there. So it's just literally everything you could possibly want in a movie wrapped up and like done well and balanced and it's not overwhelming. So I would say you have to see this movie. Okay, thank you once again, Suba, for coming along to do that and Sefi for coming along for the whole interview. We'll be back soon. Until then, remember the website is www.myfavoritefilm and you can get us all over the social medias. Just search up my favorite film. Until next time, bye bye for now. Finally, thanks to Acast for hosting the website and to Max Smith for the theme tune composition. To get in touch with the podcast, remember that website is www.myfavoritefilm.com. 